UX Podcast Episode 133. Hello and welcome to UX Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm James Royal Lawson. And I'm Pat Axbom. And we're balancing business, technology and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. And James's voice is a bit deeper than normal, I can see, watching the levels here. I'm suddenly all manly. <laughs> <laughs> Got a bit of a cold. Yeah. All good on radio. Yeah. Husky me. Um, today, we have two interviews. Yep. The first of which is one is um, our interview with Val Head, mm-hmm. who is a designer and web animation consultant. Yep. And we um, both attended her workshop. Her workshop at UXLX, yeah. Yeah, which was um, about, um, well, designing... Animations, um, animating the user experience. Yeah, was the name using of the, the uh, techniques uh, outlined by Disney, the twelve principles of yeah. animation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's our first interview for today, mm-hmm. and then our second interview today um, is with Per Axbom. Oh, really? Who had um, a, a talk on the um, speaker day at UXLX, uh, which was. Um, fairy. Oh, I forgot the name of it. Uh, it's, it well, everybody called it just fairy tale experiences, but the uh, full title is the invisible problem with fairy tale experiences. <laughs> See, I was going to say fairy tale UX. Yeah, is what <laughs> and I was that's what say. people start attacking it with as well. Yeah, it's been it's, it's been the the, the title <laughs> you've referred to. Oh, so, so those of you who are not really kind of on the ball, Per Axboom is actually uh, the co-host of this podcast and yes. also did a talk at UX Alex this year, and um, I'll be taking the chance to talk to him a little bit about that. That would be really strange. <laughs> it's going to be. <laughs> so first up, let's listen to Val. Welcome to the show, Val Head. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we've just uh, come out of your workshop, mm-hmm. animating the user experience. Yep. Three hours of learning the 12 uh, principles of mm-hmm. design from Disney and looking at how you can apply that to web design. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was really excited to go into your workshop because... I love storytelling, and I love uh, the, the concepts that you you, show, you showed us about uh, how how things that move can com- convey emotion as mm-hmm. well and stuff like that. Uh, tell us a bit about why did you start doing this? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, one of the main things I, or I guess the reason I started talking about it so much and doing workshops is yeah. I just realized this was a thing that, especially on the web, we weren't really paying attention to. Um, partly because just for so long we couldn't do motion well on the web, but now we can. And I would like to see you know web animation and the way we design with animation on the web be really really good, and you know be better than any of the other mediums mm. out there. The um, death of Flash has meant the birth of CSS animation. Yeah, exactly. And you know a lot of that is kind of very negative. People are like, "Oh, Flash was stupid. Good thing it's dead." Mm. And in many ways, that's true. But also there was a lot of things we learned and a lot of things we did with Flash that were really good and that mm. are worth, you know, not relearning or not making the same mistakes over, kind of taking what we learned from that and making it even better. You know, like you said, the expressiveness, the, the emotion side of it, just communicating with motion. That's a thing that people did with Flash as well. You know, they didn't just make terrible intros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, they were attractive so, so and they brought people in. So. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, so I was thinking from from a from a UX perspective, then what are the what are what are the benefits 
to our designs of, mm-hmm. of doing animation. Yeah, there's a, there's a few ways des- um, animation can really help with design. A lot of it circles around, um, you know, like providing feedback, providing meaningful feedback, um, creating that sense of like spatial orientation, especially a lot of the time now when we're dealing with smaller screens. You can't fit everything on screen, so you stack things behind each other or hold mm-hmm. some things off screen. And you can use motion and animation to help tie those together mm-hmm. and make sure the people using your product have that same mental model of where things are that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that spatialness, the feedback, also a lot of... Um, kind of cause and effect too, which is more like fine grain feedback of showing people mid action or in the middle of a task, what they can do, what their action might mm-hmm. result in, you know, just creating that almost a bit more depth to, to the interactions. And of course there's the, the you know, it's just the per- personality and emotion of like expressing your brand and your product, which sometimes gets left to the end of the list, but is really important when mm-hmm. you're designing, you know, f- well-rounded product, mm-hmm. you, you want mm-hmm. to say things about it. I think what you, you mentioned during the workshop, of course, the the, um, the benefit of reducing cognitive load, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that I found very appealing. Yeah, mm. that um, that you you've described how we don't have to keep track of things by animating mm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. We don't have the whole kind mm. of scary. And now, yeah. now something's moved. Where has it gone? Yeah, you see exactly where it went. So mm. that's one yeah. less thing you have to keep track of. Yeah. There's probably a million other things to keep <laughs> track of, but that's one less yeah. thing. And it can make a, a big difference. You know, when you think about it as just one movement, it becomes like, oh, does that really help? Mm. But when you think about how many movements and changes of depth or anything mm. that might happen, it really adds up. Yeah, it lets you save energy on your brain. Mm-hmm. Your brain sur- saves energy. Exactly. And who doesn't want to be saved some brain <laughs> energy? <laughs> yeah, you were saying that people, th- they spend so much time doing other stuff at the same time as they're using a website. So some of the time it's like, where was I on this web page? Yeah. And even small little animations mm-hmm. can help you. Oh, there's wha- where my attention should be. That's where I should focus yeah. right now. That's the thing that mm. changed. Yeah. <laughs> You had this wonderful example, si- really simple example with the owl pointing mm-hmm. to the form field. So that, that one's really simple to understand, I think. You, the owl is pointing to the form, f- form field that you're supposed to fill in right now. Oh yeah. yeah, and it moved its wing. Exactly. It to point and it was so simple, field. but yeah. it was so helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was cute as well. Yeah, yeah it was just, that yeah. one's a, a very well-rounded mm-hmm. example because like mm-hmm. it's there, it's like kind of cute, it's there for the personality, mm-hmm. but it also has the purpose mm-hmm. of showing you what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it has that whole kind of, um, you know, like redundancy. Mm-hmm. It's not the only thing showing you what you're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So I really love that example because they've kind of hit all those points. And it works fantastic. It follows what we've seen like eye tracking. When you, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a picture in a website that looks towards mm-hmm. the thing that you want the action, and mm-hmm. we see in eye tracking tests mm-hmm. that yeah. that people really do look where someone's looking. So, so the owl in the wing actually mm-hmm. follows the same principle. Yeah, it's like these little hints that mm-hmm. visual hints, just whatever. We don't mm-hmm. even realize we're following mm-hmm. them. Um, and it's I, I love mm-hmm. when you find them and you can kind of use them well. Mm-hmm. In the in your workshop, you, you went through the um, the twelve principles of animation <laughs> that come from 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 Disney. Um, can you can you kind of like summarize them <laughs> in less than 12? Because <laughs> yeah. we don't have time for 12 of them. Oh, now, definitely. I think you probably can pick out a Yeah, I mean, of a lot ones. of it, the 12 principles, I think one of the things I always like to tell people about them is like, it is, it's 12 related things. It's not 12, like a list of 12 things you have to do all the time. Mm-hmm. It's sort of 12 ways to think about motion and make it realistic. Mm-hmm. The really big ones are like timing and spacing or, or just timing. And a lot of the other principles kind of build on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really ways to pay attention to motion and, and show you how to make motion feel realistic, how to borrow from the real world mm-hmm. and make something that's 2D on a screen and not real appear a little bit real. Mm-hmm. So that's what they're really great at. And a lot of what they talk about mm-hmm. is, you know, how things should change shape or how fast or slowly they should move. Um, and that's really what they're all about is just making those decisions in a way that will be realistic. So, so, so bringing some real world physics mm-hmm. 
into what we're designing. Yeah, implying them, generally not yeah. actually making well, them, but that's... Exactly, because that would be scary. Yeah. All start flying out. No equations, but I mean, that's enough. Just implying them and mm. referencing the real mm. world is enough to make motion on screen and, and you know, in animated interfaces just feel kind of more familiar and mm. more connected. Yeah. So, yeah. it's great. I, th I think the easing in, ease out, easing in, easing out example is, is a good mm -hmm. one of that when you compare it to the flat movement. Yep. Exactly, that yeah. When something just moves like that without, mm. I can't even, I can't even, I'm trying to do it with my hands now. <laughs> I can't even move my it's hands. It's physically impossible. <laughs> no, exactly. It's physically impossible to just stop dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you always ease in and ease out. Yeah. So even when I'm trying to show you not easing in and easing out. I'm Unless you're a robot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're really <laughs> mechanical. And yeah. Yeah. But in a lot of it is just things like that. Like I, I, I talked about this in the workshop too. The, a lot of the 12 principles, if we've watched any cartoons or animated films, you've seen these in action. You've grown up with them. Yeah, you know in your head why they mm. work. You just have never had names for them. Mm. So I, I, I like that about them too. It's like everyone, you generally when you go through them, they're like, oh, I know what that is. I'm like, mm. you, yeah, you always have. Exactly. You just didn't yeah. know what it was called. Yeah. No, it's like when, you, mm. like when um, in cartoons, when like, I say Tom and Jerry and, mm -hmm. and Tom's eyes will kind of like come out from his yes. head and there'll be that hooter noise. And they'll, <laughs> kind of, they'll stretch out, but his body always arcs backwards. Mm -hmm. So it kind of it yeah. stretches in both yeah. planes and then the eyes pop out. You, you, you grow up with all these kind of yeah. subtleties in the way the animation is designed. And it, I, think, I think it helps us, you know, that's kind of how we learn to interpret and read motion mm. too, not mm. just in the real world, but also those interpretations of it yeah. sometimes mm. kind of crazy but <laughs> you yeah. said something during your workshop that I made a note to ask you about mm -hmm. and can you do evil with animation what, what is evil <laughs> animation is it about tricking users or what is it um, I think a lot of it is about distracting and I, I talked about like banner ads being mm -hmm. an evil use of motion because you're trying to tie draw people away yeah. from what they actually want to focus on kind of like you're really just sort of like pouncing on that um, reflex to look at something that's moving. Um, I feel like lately it's less banner ads and more mm. of those um, modal windows to sign up for mailing lists before you've even read oh an yeah. article. Yeah. I've seen oh some yeah. of those just like bouncing, mm. crazy, mm. elastic-y, mm. or some of them will like just keep falling mm. in if mm. you dismiss them. It's mm. terrible. It's like anything that it's trying to draw people away to a thing mm. you know they don't want to pay attention and to. Even your first example, actually, with uh, the what is, it's called parallax design, I think. Yeah, where Every, everything moves when you scroll, and it just you don't know what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> that one's like not even it's not even distracting to something else. Yeah. It's just like piling it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This was this was an example of a website where you scrolled and it, it everything animated as you scrolled, yeah. and it's like it was like spooling a tip backwards and forwards. Like yeah. you yeah. scroll back up again, it's it like pieces of Lego happens. coming together yeah. as you scroll. Yeah. Bits of content that just you couldn't moves. read any yeah. of the text. No, it was no. like. That was mm. that was a, that's a different kind of evil. I feel like that's just an unintentional evil. It's just a mm. mess. Mm. <laughs> so uh, maybe as a, as a last question, yeah. mm. um, what about tips about what tools you could use or what way you could um, design animation? Um, well, yeah. How do we get going? Oh yeah. <laughs> I think the um, you know the main thing is to just to try it out and you know kind of what we talked about in the workshop of, of finding a, a tool for yourself that works that you can prototype some of these things in and get the ideas in your head about motion on screen in a way you can share it mm. with your teammates. Um, in the workshop, we use Keynote because that's a really easy learning curve. Mm. There's tons of other software out there like Framer and Pixate and Origami and Envision and as many other mm. things you can do it in. Um, which I think just finding the thing that works for you. Some people just like to like, you know, code it up to mm. whatever they want to mm. do. Getting yourself that tool and knowing it well enough that you can share your ideas mm. in kind of, I want to say physical, but not physical, mm. in a visual way. Mm. So you and your team can be looking at the same thing. And that just, um, 
makes it so much easier to communicate yeah. ideas and also have your teammates kind of build on it. You can create this conversation around motion mm. and create something better in the end than if it was just like you in mm. a corner, like hacking away <laughs> and making it yeah. all yourself. Yeah. Um, mm. The more you can collaborate on this, I find that especially on the web, like really well done motion design mm. is a pairing of like the code side, developer side of thing and the design side yeah. to do it really well. You need both, both yeah. halves exactly. in there. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, three-way job this mm -hmm. with with the, the the ux designer and then the mm. the graphical designer yeah. and the, the programmers as well yeah. to do it well you need yeah. little bits of all three yeah. <laughs> that's excellent let's just let's encourage everyone listening to just start trying it because fun things happen and usually exactly. positive things it's the things mm. these mm. small animations mm. are what make your designs and products great mm -hmm. yeah. I mean yeah it's, it's one thing it's functional but then mm. things just add that little bit yeah it's that detail and mm. motion and animation can be a big part of that detail that just mm. really pushes it over the edge mm. of being like its own thing mm. as opposed to just like the same thing you've seen a million times. Yeah. Right. Thank you for the workshop. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks this for having great. me. It was Thank great. You. Thank you. So, um, welcome, uh, welcome to the podcast, Per Axboom. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Awesome to be here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at, um, on the speaker day of UXLX, you, um, you, held, you held a talk. Um, a little shorter talk than some of the other the other ones mm -hmm. that were on the day. Um, I think they were um, was it um, case study slots? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and mine really wasn't a case study though. No, yours really <laughs> wasn't a case study. Um, for those for those that didn't know the um, name of it, I think we mentioned in the intro, but it's um, the invisible problem um, with fairy tale experiences. Yep. Tell us a little bit about it. Which is a play with, I, I used the narrative of Little Red Riding Hood in the talk, which is why I call, call it Fairy Tale Experiences. Mm. But it's also a play with our conception of the best ever experience being one that relieves the user of all friction and all obstacles. So we have this, this thinking in, in the world of UX that if we remove everything uh, that could potentially be a problem for the user, uh, then we have successful solutions. Mm. Like yeah. No interface is the best interface. I think exactly. Mm. Yeah. And so what I'm afraid is happening here is that if people are too intent on this across the board, then users aren't really being helped to make the best decisions. They're helped to get from point A to B in the user interface, and they can do that really quickly. But the user interface, as we all know, is usually not the end goal for the user. They want to accomplish stuff that has to do with their real life, whether it is buying the right product and getting it delivered when I want to. Uh, the example you used in your talk here was, was, was Red Riding Hood. Yeah. But she wanted to buy a green... She wanted to buy a green hoodie. hoodie. She was tired of being Red Riding Hood. <coughs> right. Uh, and she, w she went online. She found Old Force Woolies website, uh, which, of course, is the wolf, and uh, found a green hoodie. It was really fast. She had three clicks. She had her account set up with PrayPal and uh, three clicks to buy it. And then when she got her confirmation letter by Dove or by Pigeon, uh, of course, then she realized that there were, there were fees involved that she had noticed and she wouldn't get it delivered in time for visiting her grandma, which was, was, was her goal. To show the green hoodie off. To, to show the green hoodie off, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in essence, yes, she accomplished uh, the task that she went online to do, but she did not accomplish her goal. And so my message there was that task accomplishment is not the same as goal fulfillment. Mm. Uh, in the sense that there is something else going on that we need to realize about our users that, of course, we can make more money. And uh, the other example I've used uh, a lot is, of course, Amazon, one click to buy. Yeah. Uh, and we, 
the dinner before uh, the speaker day, we met a guy who actually was talking about this without without me even bringing up the mm. the, the subject of my talk. He said that he had actually bought books. That's right. In his sleep, sleep yeah. sleepwalking, he bought books mm. because he had Amazon Click to buy yeah. enabled. Uh, so what that means is you click once and it's actually charged and delivered uh, with one click. Mm. Frictionless. Yeah, exactly. Very frictionless. Mm. Of course, and of course, is that what we're striving for? And I, I challenge that. I don't think that is what we're striving for as UXers. I, th- I think that what we want to do is actually help the users, because we've become so aware now of psychological phenomenons that help us persuade users, perhaps. And and this is where it's really hard to manipulate. And exactly, it's a, it's a thin line on the on a thin ethical line that you have to make sure that you're on the right side of. Uh, because if we are persuading users or manipulating, th- that's a huge difference. Uh, and I think coming out of uh, what people took away from my talk was a lot of the stuff that we do, perhaps, which is kind of evil. But I also want to make sure that people realize that we, even if we intend to do good, which I think a lot of us try to do, ev- even if we intend to do good by removing obstacles, we are not doing good because people are just raising a head. We made it so easy for them to raise a head and not give a thought about what they're doing. Losing the, losing the, the, the possibility or the, the time to reflect. Exactly. And maybe make a more conscious decision. So in the Red Riding Hood example, if we had given Lilo, as I call her in the talk, uh, time to reflect on what she was doing, she would have noticed that the delivery time would not have her the, have her the hoodie in time for visiting her grandma. Uh, I have other examples like Jerry McGovern's uh, bank uh, mortgage uh, form where he reduced form fields from 17 form fields to, I don't know, four or three form fields. And it was a huge success because the conversion rate went up by four four or five hundred percent. But people, which I think we should be asking more about, is not what the conversion rate became, but how happy the people were with the actual mortgages that they signed up for. Well, this is uh, well, this is the one of the kind of the crucial aspects of this, uh, or the, the controversial aspects mm. of this, is that how do you, as a UXer, um, balance that that kind of desire to make good interfaces or good mm. experiences with the demands put on you by your employer, mm. your business, your client, mm. all these things who want the higher conversion rate, right? Um, who want people to buy books very easily and simply in their sleep because mm. that that's what they're doing as an organization. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? I know it, it's really tough because that's what sometimes what you're hired to do is help the uh, organization to get better conversion rates to to persuade users to buy just their products. And for me, that's why Alan Cooper's talk appealed to me so much because it was very much in line with what I was saying because I had I had a few slides. It wasn't, as you said, it was quite a short talk, but I had some slides around how the oil industry and the textile industry and the food industry have developed across over the years and they were they weren't evil to begin with but they have become in a sense evil and very criticized for some of the stuff they do with how they produce the products and how they sell them and market them and and i'm just afraid we are heading in the same direction I i think as we as uxers who say that we actually do care about users we do care about human beings and their end goals and what they want to do we need to stand up for that much more and actually do work harder for realizing that what what is the task that we're really trying to help the user accomplish, not just on the website, but the end goal for the end user. Mm. I mean, I, I I think your talk was 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 a wonderful kind of pre-act to Alan's 
talk, Alan Thank Cooper, because mm-hmm. Alan, um, Alan, as you'll have heard in the previous um, interviews, interviews that we did with Alan, released a few weeks ago, um, he really did kind of do his his kind of uh, life speech about the kind of you know, the doing good and and not doing evil and mm. and um, making sure we think twice. It really did try and encourage us to do a bit what you're saying. So mm. so you 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 give it as a preact more um, specific to interaction design, mm. whereas Alan's was more broad and I mean, exactly, was talking about yeah. dairy farming but also mm. programming and also bigger scale um, look at the issue. Um, and I know uh, not a lot of people noticed this, but I was wearing a Spider-Man T-shirt <laughs> during my talk, and this was actually a <laughs> nod to the to the old quote that Spider-Man has, or actually his uncle in the in the comics: uh, "With great power comes great responsibility." Yes, and that's something that actually Alan said during his talk. He, he, he did, used yeah. that quote as well. Yeah, and it's not it's not our fault, um, but it's our responsibility. Yeah. I think is the way he that's, said it. Yeah, exactly as well. Yeah, but that I mean, you said when did it, I think you one of your lines in your talk was like, "When did we all become conversion optimists?" Mm. Optimizers. Optimizers, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Optimists, yeah. Got <laughs> <laughs> that bright outlook on life. Um, and and that, I, I reflected a little bit on that because um, in some ways you're, you're, you're painting CRO people or the, the optimizers as the bad ones. Ooh. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, yeah. I mean, is that, is that what you're trying to do? Is that, is that what we're saying here? That mm. if, if you are optimizing mm. conversion, mm. that you're not doing good? I don't think that's what I'm saying, no. Uh, I think there needs to be a balance. You, I, you need to think about what you're doing. It's not about uh, me saying now that you need to add friction all the time. It's just finding that balance. And, and that nod to conversion optimizers is that we are different from them. Uh, and I think both are needed because we need that discussion. We need that rapport between the two different fields because uh, we do need to help people, of course, convert as well because people do want to buy stuff more easily. And so we need to help them, but we also need to think about, okay, so what do they really need? Think about um, phone uh, sellers. What do you call them? Marketing, phone marketing sellers. Yeah, for like uh, it's yeah. contracts to do with your, your mobile and so and, on. And it's, it's so easy to just sign up for stuff mm. when you hear someone talk <laughs> talk about it on the phone. Mm. And I, that's that for me is something that get, gets high conversions, mm. but it's not very ethical because uh, I know a lot of people – older people especially, who sign up for a lot of these contracts mm. just when, when people call them up. Yeah. Uh, and it's that that ethical side of it that I really want to challenge and I want to get more people thinking about is um, when is it okay to help people and when, when do I need to add more friction to help them think more about mm. the decision they're about to make. So it's about this helping the process of decision-making in mm. a better way. I wonder, just as we, we wrap up here, uh, I wonder if it's a, uh, in some ways a question of measurement. Because mm-hmm. with the conversion optimizers, there we're talking about you know, very simply you're measuring conversion. Yeah. Whereas what you're saying here is that well, we should be measuring satisfaction or, or happiness, delight. Right. Um, as part of mm. the user experience. Mm. And, and mm, I'm putting that to you. Mm. Maybe that's aspect of our role to make sure that we measure beyond the click. I like that, yeah. And measuring happiness can be done. Yeah. I truly believe that. Thank you very much for joining us, Per. It was Thank good you, to talk James. to you. <laughs> and um and, and it was it was a good talk and, and I know it was it was quite well appreciated um yeah. in Thank the crowd you. on the day. So animation. I mean I do love this concept of adding animations to to your website because it does help people understand 
what they need to do next. It's like having an arrow pointing to a form field. This is the form field you need to fill, out, fill in now. And when you've filled in that, the arrow points to the next form field. Yeah, the, the owl. Wasn't yeah, it, that we can it was see an that. owl in, in the example that Val showed us th- uh, during the workshop. Yeah. And little details like that, I, I just love them. And this, this morning I read about a MailChimp uh, web form where you have to put in the time when you want your mail to go to be sent. And when you change the time, the icon with the clock Changes as well. Match the time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's the kind of micro interactions on the details. I mean, Mm. yeah. We've we we talked about this quite a lot in episode one to one hundred twenty seven. Yeah. And we discussed my article that I wrote Mm. about animations Mm. um, on the back of the the project I've been Mm. doing and the inspiration I got from that. And um, yeah, Val's Val's workshop was 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 fun. Um, And and I definitely came out of it more even more inspired than Mm. I already was to do Mm. animation. And that's been building up for me during this spring. Yeah. But what I did. One thing that I felt was that some of the things that Val was talking about were maybe not as effective as they could be. How do you mean? I mean, as in, it it felt like it was a lot of hours potentially going into prototyping the animations. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, in our workshop, we we got a prototype in Keynote. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And I think that, yeah, uh, there are certainly other tools where you could actually get closer to code much much quicker. She yeah. went through a few few tools, yeah. but but I didn't. None of them kind of. It was. It's, I mean, I haven't tried them all, but but I didn't kind of get grabbed by one of them, mm. thinking, "Oh, that one's going to be the best, you know, really good way of doing it." Yeah. Um, so I mean, I've I've actually just come out of a of a design well a, a kind of end of sprint meeting today, a demo, mm-hmm. um, where we'd um, in this project we've we've taken a prototype that I've worked on, and um, and then that's been. Um, well, actually, that was in HTML, but um, it, we've now gone into a, a, the graphical design side of things, putting some color yeah. and some form and things onto these um, these these prototypes. And um, today, a discussion came up about how a certain interaction um, would benefit from some animi- animation and transition. Yeah. And w- w- so we're discussing um, a flat design uh, that the, the, the art director is presenting. Right. But I'm kind of trying Made to Made in Photoshop or something. It's something like that, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's this, it was a, just yeah. a graphic in a PDF one yeah. that we had on the screen. Um, and what happened in this meeting is that I was looking in that the, the programmer who's going to work with coding mm. up these, mm. these templates, he was sat to my right, mm. and the art director was sat to my left presenting his <laughs> his design, which was based on our work we did. And you, as the UX mediator, were sat in the middle. I was sat in the middle. You're right. <laughs> That's I'm beautiful. Sure was. Um, so so uh, what I did is when I felt this kind of, when I, I felt the need to explain this animation mm. or the potential mm. animation, um, to bring it up, because mm. that's, that's, that's something that's quite awkward. When do you talk about animation? Yeah. Where whereabouts in the process, mm. and and sometimes it feels you, you talk about it too early, and mm. it feels just wrong. It feels, mm. it feels a waste of time mm. in itself. Um, even though as a UX, I probably would want to mm. discuss it early, um, but in this case, it did come up. Um, and I, what I did though was I turned to Victor. Mm. I'm going to give his name away. Um, who was the, the programmer, and and explained to him, made sure he understand mm. the concept I had in mind. Mm. So I didn't do anything other than just turn to mm. him and explain it, and he made mm. some notes, because mm. he's the guy that's going to program it. And the designer then thought, that yeah. sounds like a good idea. So I got kind of instant approval from the designer that that could be a good solution. Mm. The programmer said, that's going to work, mm. and that was job done. Oh, and it's so, that just shows how important it is to have everybody in, yeah. the, in the team early in the process yeah. and just talk about it. Yeah, because we all have yeah. our, our skill sets. Exactly. Um, but I think 
um, you mentioned when we t- talked about this earlier, um, when it would be useful to do mm. that kind of detailed prototyping like mm. Val showed us. The UX team of one. Well, yeah, exactly. When you don't have what you said now is you have access to these people, mm-hmm. and if you don't have access to these people, and you have there's a distance between you, uh, either in time or in, in in physical distance, then you need to be able to prototype and make sure that you get get the animation understood by as many people as need to understand it. Mm-hmm. But what I actually thought of, uh, <laughs> because in my talk I talk about adding friction, and in some sense adding friction can be sometimes be animations. Like and what I realized is when you said, well, how do you know when to start talking about animations? Mm. Uh, what I think you need to start doing is doing risk assessments of your websites. And yeah. you have to think about, so when is something potentially going to be misunderstood or people are going to rush ahead without thinking? Mm. Okay, so maybe this is the time to add an animation to help them understand better what they're doing. Risk assessment, I like that. No, mm. I think it's a good connection mm. to make mm. between the animation because yeah. the animation is a type of friction, potentially, yeah. or at least it's a type of highlight. It makes you aware mm. of certain things. But I even had some animation examples where I actually add loader animations yes. when they're not needed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think if you're doing search or if you're doing a submit a form, I've done that early on when I did build just contact web forms. I added an animation to show the user that something is going on now, mm. it's being sent. But of course, it had already been sent. Mm. I mean, it goes that quickly. Yeah. Uh, but it just gives a more a sense of comfort for the user. So then we've got a couple mm. of concrete kind of take-homes mm. almost for the listener there. That um, um, that animation is 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 really good. You mm. should um, you should try and include it whenever you feel the need. And working close together with other competencies such as designers and and mm. uh, programmers is a great thing. And that this, the animation transitions in themselves mm. can be enough friction. To actually make a better yes, user experience. Exactly. Yeah. You don't need an are you sure box every time. True. Wow, I like how you tie that together. It was nice, wasn't <laughs> it? <laughs> Almost professional. <clears throat> well, um you can um you can find show notes um for this episode for both Fall and um Pairs um topics um at UXpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. You can follow us absolutely everywhere as UX Podcast. And um make sure if you aren't already a subscriber, which I'm pretty sure you already are, then you can pluses or adders in whichever podcast client you happen to be using. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. Mm-hmm.